Tubby is gonna, this morning was awesome. It's a great message. Let's honor this man as though we would someone outside the house. Fred Krueger. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Oh, Lordy. Hey, goodness alive. Man, I told, I told the first service that, uh, of course, it wasn't quite like that. Uh, Thank you there, little tubby. <laughs> I told the first service that I think he was uh, a little confused and he forgot what Daisy was looking at, that uh, he was still um, introducing Gary Hippolyte from when he was here a couple of weeks ago. But thank you, Chad. Um, it is an honor to be here. It's a great service to be able to... Uh, to serve you guys as an elder, and I thank you for that. I'm a lot more comfortable, like Chad says, probably cooking than I am preaching, so um, y'all bear with me. I don't have all these elaborate words that that Chad has. I, uh, I'm, I'm not quite as polished as he is about all this. I've always told people the two biggest words I know is elephant and mayonnaise, and you can't spell either one of them. And so... so. So with, uh, with Chad, when he gets up here and he talks about all this Greek and Hebrew stuff, all these words and everything, and people ask me about that, I say, yeah, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. One of them owns a pizza joint down here on Woodward Road, <laughs> and the other one owns a clothing store downtown. You know, that's about my extent to Greek and Hebrew. But it is, uh, it's great. It's, it's just it's great to be able to have a pastor that's educated like he is. And um, he and Julie did meet first when we were, um, back when we were taking applications after we, before the merge, and Chad came and uh, he comes walking into the, to the meeting with the uh, search committee and they ask him, said, well, where do you have a resume? And he says, oh, here, here's my book. <laughs> What's that, your book? You know, so he was uh, a little different when he got here, and so we, we, we didn't quite know what to do with him, and, and, and so the elders ended up with him, and, you know, the rest of that story is, is here we are today as a family of Bridgeway, and praise the Lord for that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I thought about all of the, all of the things that, that Chad has, uh, that he's done and said. I think about my life. Me and Julie's going to be celebrating our 47th anniversary not too long. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's been a lot of hard work for me to be able to get her shaped up you know, and get her in line. But uh, we're, we're making it. And, uh, but uh, we, uh, when we were in school, uh, Julie went to school to be a school teacher. She since she was a little bitty girl, she wanted to be a school teacher. I went to school to be a baseball player. And so uh, uh, as she finished up school and I was still attending, and uh, she, she's a pretty smart girl. She got one of these certificates on her diploma that's um, summa cum laude or summa cum laude. You know, I can't even say it. She's darn smart. And so when I, it was my turn, you know, they gave me a, a, a certificate of com, uh, attendance co- uh, completion. Mine said, Lottie, how come? Yeah. 
So, so I'm like, wow. Okay, but we got out and we went back to, uh, we went back to Moultrie, Georgia, and we've lived there for a long time. And um, it, it used to, before we moved up here, and used to that it would be that people would say, "Who's that guy?" And they'd say, "Well, that's uh, Julie Brown's husband." Said, oh, okay. And so then it goes along, and I was in business in the family business with her dad, and which he's another story real good friend of mine and uh people say who's that guy said oh that's high brown's son-in-law and so as time went on and i thought i was making myself into the community of rising up that ladder my son comes along he's an all-american football player and all this kind of stuff he's this tall and big and then people say who's that guy and they say oh that's Trevor Kruger's dad. So I have gone through life with not my own identity. So uh, the only thing that I can see, you know, is I can cook and I'll, I'll you know, I can do that. So uh, Chad's right about a lot of that. But um, I can remember my father-in-law one time, and I'm going to get off of all this, get to where what I'm supposed to be doing. But uh, me and my father-in-law, he didn't have any sons. There's my two baby girls right there. And, uh, oh, ain't they pretty? And, uh, but we had, uh, me and my father-in-law, he didn't have any boys, so I guess I was his, his boy. And, uh, I remember when he died, I, I didn't realize how people were about names, but we would be around different places and people would come to me and say, I, I know you miss your daddy, don't you? And, you know, and I'm like, you know, they knew we had different last names, but we were so close and so much alike that people just uh, always compared us to one another. But I always had one thing on him that I, I felt like with this education thing, he was the guy that he was smart as a whip. I mean, he was just as smart as he could be with all this, with his business sense. He had a great business. And But his education-wise, he wasn't as educated as a lot of people. I can remember him telling people, people would ask him, we'd be talking about school, and he said, yep. He said, I was the oldest person in the sixth grade that was old enough to vote. <laughs> so, so he was, uh, but he was a great man, and I, I take a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, memories of, of him in, the, in, in our lifetime. But I was, uh, I was raised in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, is, is Mel Cahoon here this morning? Is Mel here? Mel, stand up, Mel. Stay right there, Mel. How about Doug? Is he still here? Doug Layton? Okay, do we have any other guys in here that were in the service that went to ranger training at Fort Benning, Georgia, besides male. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, you got that up there, Mike? And right there. That's, that's sign, that emblem right there is, your, is the, ranger, the ranger sign that men wear with honor. And male's one of them. Male and any guy that has gone through this training, this is, 
This is the equivalent to the John Rambo training in the Army. They made that movie after guys that went through Ranger training. And it was tough. And we have men like Mel. And Doug Layton was a Ranger. He was here early in the first service. And I thank y'all, Mel, for your service. I thank you for, for doing all that you did for our country. That Mel was one. Thank you, Mel. I love you, brother. This is a, this is a great, great time. I, uh, uh, I went through being in Columbus, Georgia all my life. I lived on the south side of town, close to Fort Benning. Uh, right after World War II, the neighborhood that I lived in, uh, several hundred houses were, was built. And that's where all people, guys, my dad got out of military and stayed in Columbus. And these are places that we started to live. And um, every house was just alike. If you looked at, if I looked at my neighbor's house, it was just like mine. So the floor plan was flipped. Every other one flipped floor plans. They all had two bedrooms, one bath, a kitchen, and a living room. And they called them 980 houses. And uh, some of you folks got three-car garages that were probably bigger than the house that I was raised in. But we didn't know no better. We all were in the same house. Everybody in the neighborhood, there were several hundred of these houses, and we were all, all just alike, and we just all just lived life together. But there was an old man that lived across the street from me. I told Chad earlier, I couldn't remember his first name, but I believe it was Ernest. But it was, his name was Ernest Brown. And he was a retired railroad engineer. And that's why I got my overalls on today. I'm wearing my overalls today to honor Mr. Brown. He wore overalls every day of the week, except on Sunday. And he had a dark gray wool suit that he wore on Sundays that he kept it on all day long. When he'd go to, uh, go to church, he'd come home, he kept it on. Never changed. But he wore his overalls. And Mr. Brown... He loved Dr. Pepper. Now, David helped me with this. This is the oldest soft drink known in the United States. Dr. Pepper is older than Coca-Cola. It's older than Pepsi-Cola. And this is, this is the original soft drink out of Waco, Texas. And, they also, and so Mr. Brown... He would get a case of Dr. Pepper every week, and it was delivered. It was delivered to him in a truck that looked like this. This is a 1959 Dr. Pepper delivery truck. And when I was a little boy, I know that was a long time ago. You said, "My gosh, that was God just created the earth then." But the truck was a part of creation. It was done on the fifth day. So we would always, us kids would always look for this delivery truck. That, uh, because we knew Mr. Brown was getting a, a, and this was every week. But each week, when he would, they would always have, now it was much better than this one. We used to call the Rick Racks. Any of you older folks remember the Rick Rack? Well, now I think they call this thing a paddle ball, bounce back, 
whatever. It's not really worth a flip. It's hard to even hit. Made in Liz Hu, China, or something like that. So you can understand all that. But the uh, this thing, he would always collect the rick racks. And when we would see him go out the side door of his house, he had an awning out where he would go, and he had a white rocking chair. And when we would see him go out there, we knew that it was time for us to sort of gather up at his house. He was a storyteller. He would read the stories. He had makeup stories. But he would always tell us a story. And at the end of that time, if he had, he had collected his rickracks, if there was ever how many of us it was, if he had enough, he would pass out the rickracks. But he would keep them until, and if we didn't have enough, he would wait till the next time. But he always had Tootsie Rolls, and he loved Tootsie Rolls. Now today, not all at one time, but we're going to do this before we, you guys go back. We're going to get us a Tootsie Roll because he always that's what he would always leave for us to have. And so when, when he would tell us stories, we, could, we would sit and we would listen to him. And <clears throat> that, was a, that was a special time. Uh, it was a time that... <clears throat> It was a time that I wish these kids could experience. You know, today, if I, uh, I had a lady ask me after service, said, do you sit around at your house? Do you go out in the yard and gather up the kids and tell them stories? I said, no. I said, because we probably would be accused of being a pervert or something, of having children, little boys coming to our house and sitting at, out in my yard, that probably would be frowned upon now. But I can remember just like we were talking earlier this morning that come Saturday morning, we'd leave the house on our bicycles and we wouldn't come back until we got hungry or uh, until it was dark. And these children can't experience that now. Um, yeah, that's another, that's another story. But Mr. Brown always would tell stories, and he's kind of made it to where I'm a, I become a storyteller. I know a lot of y'all say, yeah, I know that. I know that. <laughs> My wife does. She always says, I come in and say, she said, what's going on? I said, well, let me tell you a story. She said, oh, no. <laughs> tell me the end. What happened at the end? Was it good? Was the ending good? Yeah, it was good. She said, okay, then, all right, go ahead, tell your story. And so, uh, you know, Mike Jones said this morning when we were at Rock Eagle that I, I'd be talking, I'd be telling a story, and the next thing I flipped to another story, the next story, and he said, I'm sitting here saying, what happened to the first story? <laughs> but anyway, so I, I've had several occasions that, uh, that the Lord just woke me up in the middle of the night. I know a lot of y'all get that, and I kind of wonder why in the world. It's got to be 3 o'clock in the morning when he does those sort of things. But I have found over the years that 
you know, that's a time that it's the most quiet. That's the time when uh, people are home by then and the world slows down and, uh, and the Lord's able to be able to get our attention. And so at, there's times that I get up and I get my old yellow notepad and I head down to my downstairs to my chair and I sit there and I just wait to hear what the Lord said. So basically what I want to do this morning, I've got a story that I'm going to read to you. It will be, uh, it'll be the sermon for today. And uh, when we get through, then uh, Chad's going to come up. And, but I want you just to hear what this says. I've titled this story, The Power of Fire. And so uh, I'm going to sit in my rocking chair, just like Mr. Brown used to do. And uh, we're going to sit here and we're going to tell a little story. And we're going to be real quiet while we tell that story, okay? Think so? Okay. It all started as an adventure, but it ended as a life change. Years ago, there was a young man that traveled around in hopes of finding his purpose in life. He was a quiet, gentle type of guy that loved people. He would go into a town and find work and become a part of the community. He was always willing to help anyone he could, and as quickly as he would appear, he would disappear. He wouldn't leave for any one reason. It would just be that he would just move on to another town. However, there was one town that he visited that was became very special to him. It was a very small, out-of-the-way, off-the-beaten-path kind of town. If you didn't know it was there, you'd probably miss it. So as he entered the town one cold, rainy December night, he noticed there was no light in any of the houses or buildings and there was no smoke coming out of any of the chimneys. There was just total darkness. Walking through the streets looking for a place to stay, he would occasionally pass a stranger asking where the nearest motel might be. Pointing down the street, the traveler would look in the direction he had pointed only to see darkness. He walked in the cold rain wondering where he was and what he was doing there. After looking for a place to stay for the evening with no success, he was able to find shelter in an old abandoned barn. Tired from his long journey, he laid on the cold, damp dirt floor and curled up in a ball and fell asleep. His mind just ran wild, not understanding what he was going to do and why he was there and what was going on. Where were all the people? Where was the light? As day broke and the morning sun started shining through the cracks in the walls of the old barn, he could see people mingling around in the streets. They all walked slowly as, they had, as if they had no place to go. They looked hungry, tired, and cold. They looked like life had passed just right through them. As a stranger gathered up all his belongings and left the barn, he noticed an old man sitting on a park bench. He was sitting looking up at the sun just as if he was trying to gain every single ray of sun that he could. Then the closer the traveler got to the old man, he could see that he, wasn't, that he was praying. 
As he hung back, he could hear the old man say, Father, send back the fire. The traveler didn't understand what the old man was asking, so he kept walking. And when he passed by the old man, he looked up and said, What brings you to these parts of the woods? Knowing the old man knew he wasn't from around there, he looked for an answer. Finally, he stopped and said, Oh, I'm just passing through. Don't say, the old man said. Yes, sir. The traveler responded, knowing the old man didn't believe a word that he was saying. Want to sit for a while? Catching the traveler off guard, he said, Sure, I guess I will. The old man moved over and patted the seat next to him and said, Sit. It seemed like eternity had passed before either spoke a word. Well, the old man said, Well, what, sir? Well, what brings you to these parts of the woods? As the traveler sat looking for an answer, the old man chimed in and said, There ain't much going on around here anymore. Then the traveler said, Yes, sir. What happened? Now the old man was looking for an answer himself, and the traveler then said, I heard you talking to the father. What was that all about? What did you mean by send back the fire? After a seemingly eternity of time had passed, the old man stood up and said, Come, walk with me. And they turned down Broad Street and turned right on Main Street, heading to the center of town. They came to the business square. There in the middle of the square was a massive two-story white building. It's the county courthouse. All four sides had entrances into the building. Each side had two 10-foot-tall oak wooden doors. There was four 30-foot-tall, three-foot-in-diameter white columns on the outside. The crow's nest on top of the building was a four-sided clock. And every hour, the clock would chime, and it could be heard all around town. Out in the courtyard was a 150-year-old magnolia tree. On the northeast side of the courthouse was the amphitheater. This is where the choirs would sing at different events as festivals took place. Then the old man slowly moved around the corner of the building to the southwest side, and there it stood, a 25-foot-tall white marble cross. It was massive. At the base of the cross was a burned-out, empty fire pit. It was five foot wide and ten foot long and three foot deep. As they got closer, the traveler could read the engraving on the side of the base, and it said, The power of the fire starts at the foot of the cross. As the two men stood looking at the cross, the old man walked over and stood beside the pit, this is where it all began. He stood holding his hands out over the pit like if he was trying to warm himself. He picked up an old wooden torch and held it out over the pit and acted like he was lighting it. How I wish the spark would come again and light the fires that burns in the hearts of men. Now the traveler looked at the old man with a confused face and again asked, What happened? Silence again, the old man stood. <clears throat> the old man still didn't answer, and the old man walked around the pit and acted as he was stoking the fire. Then he turned 
and started walking away. Looking back at the traveler, he said, man has turned his back on the cross. When that happens, the fire was quenched and the flame went out. I've been praying that the Father would send someone, someone that would be the keeper of the fire. As the old man walked away, he stopped and said, keep the fire burning. The traveler stood looking at the cross, and suddenly a loud voice saying, Welcome home, my son. This is your purpose in the life that you have been searching for all these years. And as soon as he heard these words spoken, a spark ignited in the pit. In all his excitement, the traveler started running to gathering, collecting as much kindling and wood as he could carry, running back and forth to the pit, adding wood until it was fire, until it was full. As the fire grew bigger, the traveler looked around and people were coming from all directions, carrying bundles of wood. Everyone stood amazed as they looked at the fire. Several people stopped and told him, we've been waiting for this day a long time. Our lives have been cold and disconnected from the father. There was dancing and singing in the streets. People were worshiping and praising the Lord. Some had never seen the fire before. The traveler stood in amazement himself, seeing all the excitement as he was proud to be a part of the awakening. Then another man stopped and told the traveler, the Lord told me he was sending a keeper of the fire. Just a spark, that's all it took. Now life was back in the hearts of all those that believed and received. All the townhouses and buildings once again were illuminated with light. Smoke billowed from chimneys. People had once again found the power of the fire. Now as the town started to calm down a little and show some kind of normalcy, several weeks had passed and the traveler started looking for the old man. He searched all over town. He asked people had they seen the old man that sat on the park bench. People looked at him wondering who he was talking about. They had never seen anyone as he was describing. Who was this man that had so much knowledge of the town? No one knew who he was. How did he know so much about the power of the fire? Finally, the traveler stopped looking but he never forgot the old man. The traveler became known all over the land and people came from faraway places to experience the power of the fire. And they all would bring their gifts of a bundle of wood. The little town became alive again and the power of fire had started again at the foot of the cross. Filled with joy and happiness, there were festivals going on in the streets full of people. Choirs were singing in the amphitheater. Children were running and playing in the courthouse lawn. People from everywhere was coming to experience the power of the fire at the foot of the cross. The traveler stood amazed at what was now going on around him. And as the day drew to a close, he would add the last to the, of the wood to the fire so that it would burn through the night. Then after the people went home, he stood at the cross, taking a long look at the fire,
and waited quietly, listening. And then he could hear the words of the old man say, Welcome home, my son. What I want us to do is Jesse leads us. If we'll just go ahead and stand this morning. And I'm going to ask our prayer service to come forward. You know, Tubby preached that message in the first service. We saw an extraordinary healing. The fire's real. If you need prayer for anything this morning, no matter what that is, we want you to come forward for prayer. Perhaps you need the Father to help you in something you're dealing with physically. Perhaps you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus Christ uh, for salvation. Just do whatever you need to do to get right with the Father. Step out on what he's calling you to do. If you would, if you just open up your hands like a little kid, I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Jesse will send us out today. If you need prayer, you can come forward. If not, you can move towards the exits to your children downstairs. In the name of Jesus, may you build deep friendship with the Father this week. May it be real to you. May you have an eternal perspective knowing that James says that life is only a mist. We're here today and gone tomorrow. May you go after him with every fiber of your being to build deep friendship with him. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless. Have a great week.